All right. Welcome to the very first episode of In the Weeds. Uh, we are a mental health conversation uh, with and for the service industry. Uh, my name is Jake Phelps, and I will shortly be joined by Anna Craycraft and David Path. Um, before we get going on the episode, um, I wanted to give you guys a little bit of each of our backgrounds, and um, and then we have one little announcement at the very end there, and then we will um, quickly dive into that episode. So um, my name is Jake Phelps, and I am... I've been in the industry, uh, service industry for about 15 plus years now, um, a mesh of coffee, uh, restaurant, and for about 11 years, I have done hair. So I feel really grateful in that I'm one of those um, lucky, lucky people who get, get to um, really enjoy their job, and I, I do love all things um, service industry. Um, a, a little bit of educational background around Anna. Um, Anna earned her BA in psychology at Cedarville University in Ohio. She obtained an MA and PhD in clinical psychology at Fuller School of Psychology in Pasadena, California. Anna also completed her clinical internship and postdoctoral fellowship at the Danielson Institute at Boston University. Her internship Fellowship provided training in long-term relational psychotherapy with trauma survivors. This training also focused on partnering with clients to achieve integrated physical, psychological, social, and spiritual wellness. Um, also, David Paff will be joining us. Um, David is an Oklahoma licensed professional counselor and Oklahoma board-approved clinical supervisor. His education includes a Ph.D. in counselor education, and supervision from the University of the Cumberlands, an MED in Applied Behavioral Studies from the Oklahoma City University, and a BA in Anthropology from the University of Oklahoma. So that's a little bit about us. And um, before we get into the episode, one more thing here. Um, we did have a bit of a uh, mic issue. And so um, this is, we are not professional podcasters. And so we, um, yeah, we were just dealing with a little bit of some technical difficulties on, on this first episode, but it allowed us to figure it out and hopefully, and I, I know the second episode will be a little bit more clear. So please forgive the sound issue and we hope you guys enjoy. So tell us a little bit about how you guys kind of met and how Woven became like a thing. We met uh, over at Oklahoma City University. Okay. Um, both worked in the same program there. Uh, yeah, got um, both adjunct professors, and David was looking to kind of go his own way in terms of uh, starting his private practice, and my business partner, Amy Benton, and I just opened Woven Integrated Health, and so we invited him to run a space from us, and thankfully he accepted. Yeah. So, yeah. Now we are right across the hall from each other. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they started it. It, it. It's all them. I, I'm, I'm a late addition to the <laughs> okay, game. Perfect. And, and actually, it was, um, she was, uh, we shared a student and a supervisee, and he gave me the 411 about that they were hiring. And I was like, you know, time to bet on myself, I guess. And, and they, they yes. I, I really like their business model and the, and, and the, the fact of integrating, you know, the mind and the body and, you know, mm -hmm implementing yoga and, and, and some of the other ideas we got. So it just looked really, really cool. And I really believed in their model. And that's why I was like, all right. And then I saw the building or the building here is so cool. I was like, all right, I'm in, you know? Yeah. Building is a big selling point. Well, it, it kind of seems to all of like come together, right? Like around 
like when it's like, man, service industry needs attention right now, you know, and 2020 was really, really hard on everybody. Um, I think specifically a lot of, uh, I think a lot of the forgotten population is, or uh, forgotten workers are service industry, you know, you know, and so no one's really speaking directly to us or them, you know, um, in regards to how to like take care of ourselves how to, and I think we're not seeing in society, we're no longer seeing, we're no longer able to mirror things. And it's like, okay, cause used to, I think we could mirror stuff in society and be like, okay, that works out, you know? Um, but 2020 changed and something people aren't doing well. Um, well, and, and forgotten and, and taken for granted, it seems like yeah. too, that folks in the service industry just get taken for granted of, well, you're just going to do X, Y, and Z right. and be okay with it. And that's your job description. I yeah. think it, Correct me if I'm wrong, but almost forgotten that, no, you're a human being it's, first and foremost. Yeah. No, it, it totally seems like that. You know, I think I, I remember in, in 2020, we, me and my, I've got a four-year-old daughter. We were picking up some pizza to go and, and in Oklahoma, masks were still required um, indoors and the business was requiring. And we also had a kind of a city mandate um, and somebody walked in without a mask on. And this poor little 16-year-old girl who's just like working the front desk has no you know what I mean? Like she's just doing what she's told to do, you know, ask the guy to put a mask on and he kind of went kind of haywire on her, you know, and he wasn't like belligerent, but he was being aggressive. You know what I mean? He like, you, he definitely like, puffed himself up, you know, it, it, it was, and, and I thought to myself, okay, like, like he's not doing well, right? Like he's not in a good headspace, yeah. but she's got to deal with all, she's got to go home and deal with that. And so how is she going to go home and deal with that? And then does, does her like do the people around her have the tools to help her deal with that? And it seems more often than not, no, you know. Right. Um, and so yeah. So I'm, is it cool if I tell a little bit about kind of my? Oh yeah. But like, yeah. like like mine. So um, I since I start so I started doing hair about a little over ten years ago and found an industry that like I really loved being in. Um, one thing that I didn't realize is that I can somehow I tend to internalize um, other people's like like energies or emotions or whatever that may be, um, and so I'd always kind of known that, and I would, I've always kind of functioned with anxiety, like, and just like had this like burn in my chest, that like for pretty much since I was about probably twenty two, twenty three, um, and it kind of really came to a head in twenty twenty to where okay, this is not going well. You know, like I'm not functioning well. I had a couple years ago, I started drinking like really heavy, you know what I mean? And then eventually like realized like, okay, I don't want to be like this, you know, but I was drinking cause I was super anxious, you know? So I went to a couple meetings and realized, okay, I just need to kind of dry out, you know, like I need to pump the brakes. Um, 2020 was specifically difficult just cause you're, I think people don't realize how hard it is dealing with everyone else's just kind of bullshit. You know what I mean? Um, and yep. so, you know, yep. and, so, and I bet you guys deal with that as, as like on a professional level, you know what I mean? On a oh, professional yeah. level. Um, and so, and I'm sure like, do you guys tend to internalize stuff? Like, is, is that a thing for therapists? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know about you, David, but I definitely got training in how to not take everything home with me. Yeah. Um, not yeah. keep everything inside. Um, uh-huh. and, and have put in place routines and practices that, help me with some of that, but man, there are still things, I don't think you can do this work well if you don't 
to some degree take it into you. Yeah, yeah. And, and something I talk to my students about is this idea of like accurate empathy and having Ooh. boundaries and okay. being able to empathize, but not like, because you're right, it's really easy to internalize. And Anna, I don't know about you, but I've had sessions where you just, you're done and you feel the weight, you know, yeah. and, and maybe the person you're working with is walking out of your office a little bit lighter. And, then, uh -huh. and that, that's, that's great, but it's like, oh man, no, I feel, <laughs> I feel the way. So, right. you know, we, we talk about, and it's almost cliche, but it's cliche because it's true, because we talk about self-care. And I don't think, I think as a therapist, you really have to understand what self-care is. And it's not just, oh, I'm going to go home and like watch Netflix for a while or, or like mm -hmm. hit a punching bag or whatever it is. It's like a mindset. And so we, we, we really have to have this mindset and boundaries of, mm -hmm. you know, I internalize it. It's okay, but what am I going to do with it now? And mm -hmm. whether that is doing some practices or mindfulness or, or talking to our own therapist, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. which, which I do yeah. too. So, um, yeah, it's really easy to internalize and get burned out. I think that's why we have such a high turnover. Absolutely. We're not the only reason, but one of the big reasons. Sure. Mm -hmm. So what are some like really basic like tools like for, for people who tend to be really empathetic? You know, like, like what would be like maybe two or three little snippets of like, hey, you can do this, you know, um, or maybe resources or whatever that may be. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of what I talk about with my clients who tend to be very sensitive, very empathetic is there's there's this quick line between being empathetic and being someone who accommodates Okay. Um, the people in their lives to an unhealthy degree. And so so that's kind of the first place I go when I'm seeing someone who is burnt out on their own empathy. Yeah. I'm asking, what are your boundaries? Like, what do you actually say no to in your life? Or do you just accommodate everything anybody asks of you? Because that is a, a quick train to, yeah, to a dark place. Yeah, yeah. I love that idea of boundaries. And, and, and I'll add to that, uh, this idea of what we can and can't control. And a lot of times when we're having a hard time with boundaries or empathy, it's because we're trying to control the uncontrollable or, or, or to do things for folks or take responsibility for other people's thoughts and feelings. And just having that insight of, okay, wait a minute. And I'll have people actually make out a list of, okay, what what's really triggering me? And, you know, okay, am I trying to control stuff that I just cannot control? Am I getting lost in this, this external control psychology, as I call it? It's trying to control the uncontrollable, so then it controls us. Mm. Um, mm. And so that's one thing. And I love mindfulness. And mindfulness practices is just a, a good way to kind of get us in the moment and, 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 and back kind of grounded. And one of the, one of the I don't want to call it side effects, benefits of mindfulness is it, is it can be calming and it can be you know, re-engaging and, 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 and being more, more thoughtful and mindful of what's going on in the moment. Okay. So, okay. So, so you say mindfulness and, mm -hmm. and so like, I got, like kind of unpack mindfulness maybe a little bit. Cause I, like, I don't know if I have a real good, like, like, cause in me, my, to me, mindfulness is like, okay, I'm just going to like sit in a quiet room for like 10 minutes and you know what I mean? And yeah. just like stare at the wall and try to like empty my, you know what I mean? Maybe like, yeah. like meditate maybe, you know, um, are there some more tools within mindfulness that like people that, you know, like that, that people could like pick up and use, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Cause one of the bigger myths about mindfulness and where people get really pissed off and frustrated about mm -hmm. it is like, well, it's going to calm me down. Mm, you know, yeah. I'm doing it and you don't, and correct me if I'm wrong, you don't do mindfulness to get calm. You don't do it. Mm. What you're trying to do really is, and you, you mentioned uh, reality mm -hmm. there. You're, you're, it's, it's like, we're trying to get, just get back in the reality of the moment. We're trying to be present. So mindfulness is about focused attention in the present. Okay. And I tell people oftentimes the present is 
depending on the situation, but oftentimes it's the calmest, safest place you can be. Because when we're anxious, we're worrying about everything outside of our control that's going on in the present or, or outside of in the future. Right. Depression, a lot of times it's focused on the past. Yeah. A lot of those things can't really touch us in the present moment. So mindfulness is focused attention in the present. Mm. And a lot of times calming, it can be calming and it can be that. So mindfulness practices, there's there's mindfulness meditation. There's also uh, mindful eating. Of when, When's the last time you like sat down and just kind of really experienced oh, a meal man. and what you were eating and tasted it? Yeah. Instead of if you're like me, you're you're working or yeah. driving or I don't even chew my food. I just like shove it in. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's like a shovel. Yeah. You know? No, exactly. Huh. Or when's the last time we actually listened to a song, but really listened to it and experienced it? Mm. Or mindful, you know, listening, mindful walking is another great um, exercise. And a lot of times with mindfulness meditation, you're focusing on your breathing because you're just trying to find something to tether you into that present moment and to focus that attention. It, I'm making it sound easy, by the way. It's yeah. not easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It takes yeah. a lot of practice, but it's highly, highly rewarding. I mean, hmm. the research shows it's just as good, if not better, oh, yeah. than medication hmm. when it comes to, you know, calming and, and anxiety and depression. Mm -hmm. So. The best way I can describe it, man, is, is again, it is focused attention on the present moment. Focused attention on the present moment. And, well, you know, th th throughout 2020, I, I ended up doing about, so I'd gained quite a bit of weight. I was on some anxiety medication, and I tr tried several different anxiety medications. And most of them, like, I think, like, a lot of the uh, the SSRIs, mm -hmm. is, that, is that what they are? Mm -hmm. um, that They were, like, great for about four to six months, and then it would just kind of, like, you know what I mean? Like, kind of, yeah. like, dip exactly. off. And so I felt like I was in this, like, other cycle of, like, trying to identify, like, like well, what's really the issue here? You know, and, and you actually said it just a few minutes ago. Um, depression is living in the past, and anxiety is living in the, in the future. And in my late teens or in my teens, I felt like I was like, I was pretty depressed, you know, like I would sleep for a long period. Like looking back, it's like I was depressed, you know, mm -hmm. um, didn't realize it. And then that turned into anxiety and I had no idea I was living in the future. Like I did not know that. And I ended up doing about eight sessions through Sunbeam, which is another good local resource, oh, yeah. um, for, for, mm -hmm. for, for people who are looking for therapy. Um, I did about eight sessions with them. And she said that, and it, like, changed my world. Like, it absolutely yeah. changed. I was like, oh, my God, that's it. And and then tying back to that mindfulness stuff, it's like I had to kind of come into this space of, like, oh, okay. Because I would just constantly uh, – I'm a business owner, so I was just constantly thinking about, like, the ifs or, like, oh, yeah. who, who could work here. But, like, I'll even, like, do weird stuff where, like – so I was um, – I don't know if I want to tell that. So I, I, it, let's say if I was going to hire somebody and I knew they had like some other peripheral things, I would work through those conversations that haven't even happened yet. Wow. You know what I mean? So oh, I'm yeah. having full fledged yeah. conversations with people in situations where that aren't even real. Yeah. That it, has, it's, you know, and there's that control yeah. piece of trying to control something that hasn't even happened yet. And it's controlling you because now you're fixated on it. That's exactly what it was. Mm -hmm. And, and it, for me, like having this conversation with y'all and starting the Wove or the In the Weeds podcast is like I had that realization, and I thought to myself, "Shit!" Like people, like nobody, like this changed my life and it changed my reality. And there's not a lot of things in my life that have happened like that, you know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so, so well, and one other piece yeah. to mindfulness. I'm so sorry. No, is, no, yeah, and, go ahead, you go were ahead. you were nailing it. I think right there. Of it's it's it also helps us just not attach to 
the, the those uh, rabbit holes, the spiraling is what yeah. I hear a lot of people call it. So yeah. being focusedly present on the moment, we're not attaching to, and it's because it's man, it's okay to have that anxiety. It's okay. Mm-hmm. It's okay to not be okay. Right. It's just you know attaching to it. Yeah. And then just fixating on it and it just becomes like tunnel vision Mm -hmm. and mindfulness is about just kind of getting out of that tunnel vision as well just coming back gently to the present moment right Mm -hmm. i was almost like angry because i was like like uh disney's pixar soul i don't don't know if you all have seen it i have not seen that yet it's it's worth watching um there's an idea which i think is a, a jung idea um, a lot of Jung ideas, I guess, f- are in this Pixar movie, but there was an idea that you were focusing on the thing that separates you from your brother or neighbor or sister. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And, and, and they define those as these like lost souls. Mm-hmm. And so they paint this like really, really cool picture of like the thing, like I was focusing on the future and I was missing all of this present reality yes. stuff, like time with my family, with my yeah. wife, my daughter, my friends, you know what I mean? And then compound that with like cell phone, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Just having like uh, like infinite algorithm, you know what I mean? To oh, yeah. like to like live in the future or past with, it's like or just elsewhere from where you are. Yes, you know, in the political reality, in the reality of your friends' lives. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It is the ultimate escape. Yeah, it is, and so it feels like we're in this kind of in between where like we haven't just fully submerged ourselves into this technology to where. It's not quite matrixy yet, but it feels like we're not, people aren't living in reality yeah. because of like just, just the environment we're functioning in. And so, and, and at no fault of our own, you know? Yeah. I like how you said yet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, no, exactly. You know, because it seems like I'm, I'm 34, um, freshman year Facebook hit. Oh. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. so, so I, I remember seeing the progression of Facebook. And, and it's like, it, it seems like hell to me, you know what I mean? Cause it's mm-hmm. so isolating. It, 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 it reinforces all the negative thinking patterns that I think I was trying to escape, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. And yeah. And, and then compound that with like, everyone else is dealing with it and nobody else has the tools, you yeah. know? So we're coming into this, like, like I, I do 30 minute appointments. I do kind of try to do them back to back and man, people will come in and just like unload all their heaviness. You know what I mean? And they don't even, and the, and the thing is they're just talking out loud. They, mm-hmm. they don't even realize that they're like, like vomiting on you. You know what I mean? And so it's just, it's just a fascinating, fascinating world. Um, let's talk about anxiety a little bit. So, so you guys said that you, you have, you are seeing lots of anxiety, like within patients. What is anxiety? Um, where do you feel like it's currently coming from? What's kind of maybe unpack some of that for us. Sure. So the way that we kind of think about anxiety or kind of any of these big, you could call them the big six, the big six emotions or, you know, um, is that they are our brain's sort of natural responses to our environment. They're the chemicals in our brain. So what are the big six? Uh, Anxiety. There is fear. There's happiness or joy. There's surprise. There's anger. Um, What am I missing? Sadness. A lot, yeah, sadness and disgust will get thrown in there, too. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like Inside Out? Yeah. The movie Inside Out? Man, they, they, they were pretty... That By the way, that is a great movie for kids and adults oh yeah. alike. I love yeah. having my students watch that. But yeah, they hit some... Those are four emotions in there, right? Yes. And those, those are four very basic, but mm-hmm. man, 
important emotions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they do just such a great job of kind of depicting how we feel about emotions. You yeah. Know? Like disgust takes the wheel and there's no mm -hmm. one getting wrong with it. You know, yes, <laughs> right. that happens. Right. Yeah. In, in that scene, I'm sorry, I'm going down a rabbit hole. No, this then, is but, great. This but is great. That scene where, um, oh, I forget the name of the, the elephant looking guy. I think it's Bilbo. And yeah. He, the uh, the thing that he was going to go with Riley onto the moon, the wagon gets pushed over and he starts to cry and sadness comes down and, and is talking to him and, and really encouraging him to, to yeah. feel it. And then happiness comes over and says, oh, sadness, you're going to make it worse. You're going to make it worse. And um, actually, all he needed was just the chance to experience and mourn. Mm -hmm. And he said, I'm OK now once he had a chance to cry mm -hmm. it out with sadness. Yeah. And that's such, such a powerful scene about emotional maturity, I think. Yeah. And mm -hmm. just having the opportunity. He had every right in the world to feel sad and to mourn it, but just to get through it. And we're so afraid when we feel emotions that we're going to get lost in it. Mm -hmm. But every emotion is temporary. And in fact, oftentimes, we just need the opportunity to experience it and let that wave come and go. And so anyway, that scene right there, I show it over and over in my classes mm -hmm. of just that's emotional maturity and intelligence is the ability to feel an uncomfortable emotion and let it ride and experience it and let it run its course. Mm -hmm. So a great movie. Right. And, but what, what I was going to say, I, I love that you bring that up because I think so often anxiety is present or comes up from our attempt to avoid these mm -hmm. other emotions, yeah. you know, okay. sure. Some of it, some, some anxiety is actually a response to a threat. But a lot of anxieties because we are avoiding, it's sort of secondary to avoiding sadness, yeah. avoiding deep anger, you know, avoiding these these big emotions that, that we just don't want to feel, that we feel yeah. scared of. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So true. So, okay, so how would you, people who deal with people who have anxiety, okay, so like let's say the 16-year-old girl who's, you know, working at the pizza joint asking the gentleman, please put on your mask. And that guy's clearly anxious. You know what I mean? And he's irritated and he's puffed up and he's all these things. How do you, like, like are, are there tools for people to, like, kind of deflect or, or, or to be able to identify, oh, that's unhealthy. That's his own thing. Not my problem. You know, like, and you kind of talked about, like, empathy, but not to this, like, unhealthy, mm -hmm. you know, like, like an empathetic, but still with boundaries, you know? Mm -hmm. I think, especially for people in the service industry, so much of it is about the culture that's created wherever you're working, at the mm. restaurant, at the coffee shop, at the, mm -hmm. you know, at the store where your managers are basically saying, we have your back. However, these customers treat you is not about you. Yeah. You need to kind of understand that coming in that people walk in here and they expect a service and, and often they demand it. Yeah. And that, and that doesn't say anything about you, your personhood, your dignity, so much as it does about them. Yeah. Conf I, I, I wonder, and, and I could be way off here, but I wonder how much anxiety is tied to security or insecurity, you know, lack mm -hmm. of, and, and, and lack of, uh, you know, hurting with confidence. And so, you know, being confident, just like you were talking about, Anna, to say, you know, I can, I can still be a good person, even though this person doesn't feel like I am. Or yeah. in fact, um, and again, go back to the control thing that so much anxiety comes to. Again, we're trying to make ourselves feel safe and secure, and we, we can't always control the way other people are going to act. Mm -hmm. And in fact, I'm guessing folks in the service industry, if they could make people happy all the time, they would. You know, I would do it. That's why yeah. we're in it. Because exactly. it's like we love serving people, and, and we tend to be really deeply empathetic people. And mm -hmm. like, like we, we get this weird – and, and there are – 
and it's also because it is a low, it tends to be a low barrier industry. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like we do get a lot of younger people and there's a lot of people coming of age, you know, which yeah, just feels intense. Yeah. And, 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 and the harder we try mm -hmm. to make someone happy to make something happen a lot of times, the more they might, because people don't like being controlled, they'll push back. Right. And so sometimes it's just knowing that if I could make this happen, I would. Yeah. You know, I'm a good enough, I'm a good enough human being. You know, I would make it happen if I could. And not only that, it's, it's also, and this is one of the hardest lessons, and I don't know about you that I had to learn is, I can't help everyone. I can't make mm -hmm. everyone happy. Not everyone yeah. that's going to walk into my office. You know, I'm not, maybe my personality or something about me is triggering. Mm -hmm. um, maybe they're just not ready. Maybe they're having, but I'm not always going to be a good fit for right. everyone as hard as I try. And sometimes mm -hmm. it's just knowing and accepting that I'm doing the best I can with what I got. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, probably not about me necessarily. Yeah. And in the service industry, it's a lot of the same thing. Cause it's probably, you all get more heat for that in the service industry yeah. because people are coming in and they have these high expectations and you're going to make me happy and that's what you're paid for. And it's right. just like, I, I'm going to do, it's like mine, Julie said, I did then what I know how to do. It's now that I know better that I do better. I'm going to do the best I can with what I got. Yeah. And it doesn't necessarily mean that I'm a bad human being because I can't make miracles happen. Right, 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 right. Well, that's, I mean, well, and even I, I think of restaurant, like I can't think how many times I saw, or I even got crushed from a, you know what I mean? Customer, you know, because the food came out an extra, it took 22 minutes instead of the 17 on the normal ticket time of a restaurant or whatever. And people are just furious, you know? And, and then like, and then they, they don't give you, it's almost like there's no empathy, you know what I mean? And, and, it, and it feels like we're coming into a place society feels like it's sliding into a place that lacks sympathy. Yeah. Agreed. You know, Agreed. And, agree. and, yeah. and I think it's manifesting itself in service industry initially. And I think it's in all its scales, right? But I, I think it uh, the day-to-day -day interaction is like that's where it plays out. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And, and something else, too, I think, too, you, you bring up the case with the 16-year-old the girl mm -hmm. is... I think another technique um, is our physiological reaction. If we feel ourselves getting triggered, you know, our heart rate starts to go up, our respiration rate, we feel hot. You know, these, mm -hmm. these classic anxiety, because anxiety, you're going you're gonna to feel it physically. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's, it's, it's also being aware of our triggers. You know, me and my, and in sessions, I'll, I'll lean back in my chair sometimes and just start kind of deep, slow breathing, just trying to, mm. it's amazing how much just watching our breath. I know it's cliche, but again, it's cliche because right. it's true. We can, if we slow down our breathing, we can slow down our, our physiological processes and just kind of naturally begin to mm. calm because once we get, you know, once emotions are high in anxiety, it's high, it's really hard to think logically. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes it's just kind of almost like disengaging and slowing down the pace. So that's something else I'll recommend to folks is slowing down the pace. In sessions, I'll, I'll, I'll slow down my, my tempo of talking. I'll, I'll bring down my tone of voice a little bit, just trying to be a calming presence mm -hmm. for that yeah. person. Because I find, too, if we can be calming, not all the time, but a lot mm -hmm. of the times, if we yeah. can be calming in a calming presence and, and watch our breathing and our voice, you know, people will almost kind of naturally kind of mirror that or see that, you know, yeah. you got those mirror neurons, you know, totally. And it's sometimes too, they're like, Oh my gosh, I'm kind of being irrational right now. Aren't I? I'm kind of mm -hmm. being a jerk to you. And like, oh, yeah. you know, I'm not saying that you're, you just, you're, you're highly triggered. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I like what you bring up too there, David, that so much of this is about, I think, 
helping people redesign their emotional experience, yeah. you know, oh, which yeah. is so much harder than it sounds, yeah. so much harder than yeah. it sounds because even that 16 year old girl at the age of 16, her, you could say her emotional building interior yeah. is already fully formed, yeah. you know, hmm. all of her life experiences, the way she was raised, you know, her current environment, all of that has this whole picture for her emotionally already built. And so the work of therapy and the work I think of just maturing emotionally is deciding, okay, what aspects of this kind of emotional house to some degree I inherited to some degree I built myself, Mm -hmm. do I want to keep and which of them do I want to sort of redesign Mm. in a way that fits better for me? Like you talked about Jake, you know, you, you sort of stepped away from this idea that you need to live in the future. Yeah. Yeah, so true. Because emotions aren't the problem. We, we, we've been taught that emotions are the problem, that anger right. is the problem, anxiety. Yeah. No, man, we, we have these for a reason. We evolved with these things for mm. a reason. It's our, and you're so true. It's, it's the way we experience emotions. I, I tell mm-hmm. people it's not your emotions and your feelings that are the problem. It's what you think and feel about your feelings yeah. that are the problem. Because you nailed it too, man. It's like I could feel sad, and then 30 minutes from now I'm angry or I'm anxious because I'm sad again. Right. And so it's... it's right. I, it sounds like, Annie, you do the same thing, and I do this. Is I, I'm not trying to get people to not feel anxiety or depression. It's just how do we – it's it's to re-experience. What's our relationship with our, our feelings and our emotions? And, and we can tweak that. Like you said, I can build a new you know inner experience here yeah. with this. Well, and I think that was my dig with the – or that my gripe with the SSRI stuff. It, it's like I feel like I'm not dealing – like I feel like I'm not doing the work, right? Like mm. it allowed me to stable to kind of like – to kind of like process through some stuff, but eventually it, it was, I realized like, this is not, this is, you know what I mean? Like, this is not working. Like, I don't want to live like this for the rest of my life, you know, to where it's like, okay, I'm going to get on whatever new thing it is. And, and, and the thing is, I'm not like, to, to, to people who are listening, take the medicine. You know what I mean? Like, like, like whatever is prescribed, you know what I mean? Like, like, it, like I, I, I'm not an anti, you know what take I mean? Take it as prescribed. Take it yeah. as prescribed. Yes. Thank you. And thank if you. you want to come off, talk to your doctor first. Yes. Talk to your doctor Precisely. first. <laughs> yes. And so, um, but even, yeah, the, even processing it, like it, I felt like it, it, it wouldn't, it almost didn't allow me to process the emotion. It just kind of like hampered my emotion. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. To where I didn't have to deal with it. And it's like, man, I would do great. You know what I mean? Like, I'd get a ton of work done, and I felt like I'm being a good leader at work, and you know, business is going well, and I'm being Mr. Dad and good husband. And but then it's like, then I would just like crash hard, yeah. you know. And it's because I never really dealt with, and uh, yeah, I never. But but then I think a lot of people because if they're not on SSRIs, they're either like drinking, you know what I mean, oh, or, yeah. or or like taking drugs, you know, or finding other avenues, relationships, of, yeah, relationships, cope. right. Um, I guess people get addicted to all kinds of stuff, like oh, yeah. chaos in relationships, to food, to alcohol, to all kinds of things. Yeah, but those emotions, and I think you're you're really speaking to this well. They're trying to tell us something. I mean, we have we we got them for a reason. Mm-hmm. It's just our society sucks about teaching us that these emotions have a utility. You know, yeah, comfortable. I don't like the term positive and negative emotions. Comfortable, uncomfortable emotions, mm. and because um, I don't like the value judgments that we place on them because they're all valuable. Let's talk about those value judgments because that mm-hmm. is that. Where does that, where does the value judgment come from? Like whenever we like, is that a, like a bigger societal thing? Is that a Western thing? Is it, cause it feels like a very, a like right and wrong, truth, false kind of experience, which I, which seems to be 
not going well for people. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think so many different um, avenues kind of feed into the values that we carry. I think there are overarching, I would say American, you know, yeah. is the term we often use, values that we all kind of fit in with to some degree that if we work hard enough, we'll have this success story that, mm. you know, that, that it really, really matters to be kind to people that, you know, I, I think there are these basic things that we've inherited on a larger societal scale, but then the ones that come from our immediate environments that we grow up in, whether that's our religious environments, our school environments, our family environments, all of those are often unquestioned, but deeply powerful in how they kind of direct the flow yeah. of our lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, mm-hmm. you know, smiles of frown turned upside down, happy go lucky. You know, we, we get all these messages about how to be happy and, mm-hmm. and, and, don't be ungrateful. You know, we're taught these by our parents, by society. And um, I think just uncomfortable emotions can hit the brain very similar to physical pain. So emotional mm-hmm. pain is very similar to the brain as physical pain. Mm-hmm. Uh, neuroscience is teaching us. So we all want to feel good, right? We don't want to feel bad. We right. don't want to feel like there's something something wrong. Mm-hmm. But we're not really taught that. We're not taught the distress tolerance. And not only that, I think for parents or other people, it's uncomfortable to sit with your kids when they're uncomfortable emotions because yeah. you don't want to feel like a bad parent. You don't want to feel like you don't know what you're doing. So you're going to, oh, just smiles a frown, turn it upside down, you know? Right. And so um, we're taught what to do if our body's hurting, you know, mm-hmm. in health class. We're not, I love asking my students, tell me about the emotional education you got in school and no one ever really raises, raises <laughs> their hand. Yeah. We're taught to suppress them. We're taught to push them down. And so I think if we call them bad, we call them negative. It's almost a way to try to extinguish them and just, you know, exactly, mm, yes. yeah, to get away from them, to create yeah. distance. But they're still there. You know, they're still around. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I think the values judgment comes from a lot of just not knowing what to do, not being taught what to do. So and I'm not bagging parents. No, because no, who taught yeah, them? Yeah. yeah. Well, that's the thing. Exactly. It's like like yeah. it, and I think that's where what I'm kind of realizing. It's like it's a generational thing that mm-hmm. people don't have tools. You know what I mean? To yeah. like deal with their emotions. It's like. I think about like, I'm talking about my father, you know, like he, I don't know if like, I know his dad didn't tell it, like was kind of a, kind of a hard ass, you know, was very like, get it done, you know, kind of mean would kind of, uh, he can be bombastic, you know? Um, and, and I think he, like, I think my dad has depression and anxiety, but he doesn't know. You know what I mean? Until, oh, yeah. and, I, and in fact, I think just in the past couple of years, he got on a little bit of anxiety medication, changed his life. Wow. Changed yeah. his life. Yeah. And after how many years? After yeah. how many years, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And, and and it's like, it's like, well, why was dad so grouchy all the time? Mm. Well, yeah, because he like doesn't have any tools because he's dealing with, he's like, he's frustrated at, the, uh, at just this existence, you know? Yeah. And so. But doesn't even have the language. Exactly. Do, doesn't even About have it. a framework. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, and my dad was a great fat father. Like I have no issues with, you know what I mean? With the way I was raised or anything like that. Like, like loving father, like still hug his neck today. And I'm very lucky that, that, that I have that. But like he all like it's also just hard to watch people kind of suffer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like setting mm-hmm. this like, mm-hmm. and they just it don't is. know, and so they just gotta keep going. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> they just it, crank through it, and it know? triggers us too. We don't want to see him suffering. We want to fix it right away. Right, and so we jump in and be like, "Yep, yeah, get happy." You know, laugh. We we try to cheer him up, just like that part from Inside Out I was talking about. Yeah. You know, cheer up, let's get happy because right. it's we're uncomfortable. Yeah, and then you were talking about society and culture, and. 
and then you, you factor on that, of course, that society doesn't treat everyone equally. And mm, so, yeah. you know, emotions is a, it can be a very gendered thing. It can be very tied to racial inequities and in social inequities. And so it, 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 we start to get very complex in just the way that society sees emotions just based on your gender and your race and ethnicity and your age. Hmm. And, um, Guys, it's okay to get angry and go rip. I'm going back to my days playing ball. It's right. get angry, rip someone's head off. Mm-hmm. Don't get sad. Yeah, you know, women though. Oh, oh, oh you're yeah, total it, opposite. What, right? what, oh, yeah. I was going to say, what's your experience as, as a woman and oh, with yeah. emotions? If you get angry, you uh, I, I think often the message women are told is that anger is the most unacceptable emotion for you mm. to feel. Whoa. Yeah, anger, particularly anger expressed at more powerful others, is whoo, nope. Yeah, um. yeah, I don't know. I'm about to go on a big rabbit trail, so it's okay. Free to yeah. Edit all no, 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 yeah, 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 no, no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Howard Zinn's um, *People's History of the United States*. Oh, yeah. Great book. Okay. And he talks about the history of women in this country and how they had this like unique and pretty toxic, particularly kind of in the early part of our nation's history, blend of privilege and suppression. Right. And a lot of that suppression was about this power, this anger, this, you know, ability to decide for yourself. And I think that still shows up for women. But more and more what I'm seeing in women now is this, like, message that we started taking on about mm, 30 years ago that we can have it all. You know, mm. we can have the career. We can be the kind of primary person, caregiver to our children. We can be the person that keeps our household running. And, and it'll feel great. And we'll still be physically attractive in, in the middle, middle of all that. So right. and just the, the anxiety and the anger that I think gets suppressed around that message being too much for any one human to take on, you know, is. Can we talk about like that, like that little idea of like the, uh, for the past 30 years, women have been told like, Hey, yeah, you can have it all. Like, right. like you are CEO, you are. And like, h- how is that playing out? Like, does that seem to be going like. Do are women like getting there and they're like, this is it. I arrived. (laughs) Or are they like everyone else? And they're like, Hey, this is, I'm still empty and sad. And there's this huge void here. I I make over six figures, but who like this sucks. Right. Right. Or, you know, they, they hit some level like that. And at the same time, again, they're having to run their household. They're having to be the primary caregiver for their kids. And they are, they almost don't have the space to acknowledge the emptiness. They're just overworked beyond belief Mm. is what I see in women. They are at a point of stress and busyness that is unsustainable. Yeah. Um, And and it's this mixed bag, right? Because second wave feminism has been this wonderful door opening experience where women can work outside the home and have these meaningful careers. And Mm -hmm. yet the uh, assistance, both I think on a societal level and just in an intimate partnership level of having the help at home has not kept up. Hmm. So, so there's this, this real busyness along with this, I think, deeper sense that this isn't really having it all, you know, yeah. Betty Friedan didn't really talk about what would happen if I got the, <laughs> if I got the job, career. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, well, yeah. Which goes back to the thing where it's like, well, you know, I, I, I see it all the time play out and like, I ha- tend to have a, my uh, clientele tends to be a little more affluent, you know? Mm-hmm. So they're making lots of decisions. They're, you know what I mean? Like they are the people in these like high powered roles and they're just as like sad and empty as everyone else. Like they're still trying to fit like, like I was talking to a guy the other day, he was kind of questioning all of it. And, and he, he, he moves the ball more than I ever will. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, and it's, it's interesting to watch that like women were sold that. And 
Like, is, is it okay? But is, is it okay to say that? Like, it's PC to say, or is it PC to say that? To be like, hey, like, it's not what it's ha- cracked up to be. Y'all were sold a bill of goods and yeah, you got ripped exactly. off. Just like, the, like, just like everybody else, though, yeah. right? Yeah. No, I, I completely agree. And I think it, it starts all the way down right at the service industry level and moves all the way up to the very top mm-hmm. to the CEO chain where it's like, these things that we're told will give us meaning, whether it's providing this great service to the people that come into our doors or making, moving the ball, making these huge decisions. None of it really brings us what we're looking for on, on a deeper kind of attachment level. Yeah. But I don't know. Well, no, absolutely. Because, you know, I go back to, I love the Harvard happiness study and great TED talk on it, um, but that's the study where they've studied men, and they're they're finally getting women involved. But they studied the same men for like seventy or eighty years, mm-hmm. their entire lives, and they found the thing that correlates most to healthier, happier lives mentally and physically. People live longer. They have less medical and mental health issues. Is when they have healthy, securely attached relationships. It's not jobs. It's not money. It's not social influence. All the bill of goods that we were sold. And in, right. in Annie, you're, you're talking about it. Maybe it's not all it's got uh, cracked up to be. So these were, this was a group of just men that they studied this through the 40s, 50s, 60s, who were, who were really reinforced that. But it's healthy, securely attached relationships. And to have that, you've got to have that emotional vulnerability. You've got to have that healthy attachment. It all comes down to, um, you know, can you be emotionally intimate with people on a healthy level yeah, and in a healthy yeah. way? That's where research is showing us that human happiness really comes. And in fact, folks that are lonely or in conflicted relationships, on average, Mm and correlation is not causation, but on average, this research is finding they die sooner. They have more uh, physical and mental health struggles. And so, and I learned that, you know, when I first became a therapist and I was working with folks in community mental health who were, um, you know, they they didn't have a lot. They they, they said, you know, very severely mentally ill. They didn't have a lot. They couldn't work. They couldn't Mm -hmm. hold jobs because of mental illness and schizophrenia and, Mm -hmm. and bipolar disorder. And all they wanted to talk about was relationships. And they, they wanted to talk about the state of their relationships and their wow. attachment and their experiences. So, yeah, and I, that's my long-winded, I, I can't stress enough how much I agree that it's attachment and human relationships that are the key, not money, not jobs. Exactly. Hmm. And we know this on some level, right? Uh, the, the same thing was done that you're talking about with a, a bunch of refugees from Laos had the oh, wow. same study done where it was like, okay, we, we, they probably need to deal with this trauma, you know, ripped from their home resettled in the U.S., totally foreign culture. No, they wanted to talk about, you know, they left behind somebody that they really care about. And, mm. you know, these deeper attachment issues are what really get to the core of, I think, what makes us human. But Yeah. Mm-hmm. Man, that's so... Uh, go, ahead, go ahead. I was going to say that. Talk about coping, too. Yeah. Most protective factor out there they're finding from research is do you have good, healthy social supports, whether it's kids going through trauma or folks going through anxiety, going through the pandemic. Do you have good, strong, solid social relationships and social supports. Right. And so, for instance, in, in the service, that 16-year-old girl, yeah. does she have somebody that she can go turn to at, at her job, her boss? Is her mm-hmm. boss going to be affirming and right. listening and empathetic and in, in, in validating the fact that it's okay yeah. to be pissed off and hurt by that? Yeah. You know, giving her a second and giving her some space to process those emotions. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, relationships also can be incredibly therapeutic and, and a great coping. And I'm not saying we, we just we don't have our own internal, yeah, but it's sure. just it's a great tool for our tool belt. Yeah, uh, tool belt. Yeah, absolutely. Hmm. So so what does like a healthy 
I guess that's why we're talking about all this, right? Is to, <laughs> is, is to get, give people the tools. So. Exactly. No, I, I, it's a long-term work. I think that that's something I really want to stress today is that, you know, none of this is going to happen overnight for oh, anybody. No. Mm-hmm. Not at all. Yeah. Not at all. You know, it takes so much time to kind of relearn how to connect to other people, to relearn how to feel about myself in those situations where I'm under stress, feel right. about the future, you mm-hmm. know, all of that. Man, it takes time. Yeah. And practice. We're making it sound too easy. Aren't I know. We, it's I, not that easy. Yeah, it's, it's, so, it's a struggle for me. Right. I mean, so so let's say there's someone who's listening to this and they want to book in a schedule with, with y'all. Like is like uh, talk about Woven and how like how you guys like how do how do they get integrated into Woven? So um, for those who don't know, uh, mental health therapy right now is covered under most insurance plans to some degree. And okay. so um I think about... Can you say that again? J- yeah. j- like j- just for the yeah, people in the back. For the people yeah. in the back, your insurance, your health insurance should cover mental health therapy. Okay. Outpatient once a week. Yeah. Um, you'll have a small copay once you meet your deductible, typically. So uh, something to hold on to. But yeah. you can, I mean, you can look it up online on mm-hmm. Psychology Today and you can search Blue Cross Blue Shield, you know, okay. who takes my insurance. So that's a good starting point. A lot of people here at Woven um, are on different kind of what's called insurance panels. So okay. they'll be reimbursed which I know is a big deal for people in the service industry. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know many service jobs that offer insur- yeah. health insurance, but... <laughs> right, they don't. Yeah, yeah. none. They, 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 they definitely don't. Um, so mm-hmm. let's say if somebody doesn't have, like, mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, is that still an option? Absolutely. You, you know, mm-hmm. and, then, and then so how, say someone doesn't have insurance, then how would they become, like, how do they get involved? So uh, most therapists have a sliding scale. So um, what they'll do is for people who, you know, don't necessarily um, make as much money and don't have insurance, they'll Mm -hmm. offer a reduced fee to a a certain number of clients. Mm -hmm. Um, But there are also locations like Sunbeam, like Northcare that offer um, really low cost quality services here in OKC uh, to people who just can't afford health insurance or even a, a sliding sliding scale fee. So, yeah. So I, I highly recommend it. Here at Woven, we have about six mental health providers on okay. staff. Um, our availability kind of fluctuates, it seems like, from month to month, you sure. know, as people kind of come in and out. I think that's pretty normal. But mm-hmm. um, you can check out the website, I think, is probably the easiest way, wovenokc.com. Okay, okay. perfect. Um, you can read through the bios, find the contact info of the therapist that you're looking for. Awesome. Um, what we offer here that's a little bit different, too, is we offer um, yoga in conjunction with psychotherapy. So okay. we have a yoga therapist okay. on board. She's not going to take you through a power flow. Okay, right. <laughs> what she's going to do in Instead is like kind of get you in touch with your breathing, in touch with some of that meditative mindfulness work, mm-hmm. either before or after a session. It's okay. really where where we recommend that, especially okay. for clients who are dealing with more anxiety. Yeah, um, really get them kind of re-regulated after, or, or get them kind of in the right headspace before right therapy. Mm-hmm. Right, cool. Yeah. So yeah, so th- that, that's that's incredible. Um, it's helpful. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I strongly recommend people always ask if you don't have insurance, always ask the therapist you're interested in if they have that sliding, that sliding scale. Most, yeah. most do. They don't, I don't know if it always gets advertised, right. but always ask if they can work with you and what they're willing to work with you on. Yeah. And I know us here at Woven, we're really good about, I think everyone has sliding scale here, yep. right, Anna? Yep. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And I want to say too, you know, with regard to the industry, we're, we're, we're pretty well priced like yes yeah. we are so uh, yeah we we do um 
take a pretty wide range of insurances also. So I know we really make an effort here to try to get people in um, mm -hmm. if we can. And we would love, you know, to help people in the service industry Absolutely. Uh, who are looking. And in yeah. fact, if they let us know they're in the, if they let me know they're in the service exactly. industry, I'll do everything I can. And I can't speak. Same here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just because, yeah, I understand what it is they're going through during this time. It's, it sucks. It's <laughs> I can't. Ima I can't imagine. It's no, heavy. Yeah, no yeah. I'd imagine. I mean, they didn't get a break during the pandemic. No, that's unless they wanted to not take a paycheck. Unless you know? they didn't want to take a paycheck, and so I mean, I, I even I like I was like, like I was thinking about going to Crest. You know what I mean? To like mm -hmm. bag groceries. You know yeah. what I mean? Because it's like, man, I'm gonna do whatever I can just to like, I, I I can't. You know what I mean? I can't just like dip out. You know what I mean? Like, like I'm I'm my sole provider. <laughs> you, you, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so. Um, yeah. All right. Is there anything else you guys wanted to kind of talk about? Like in, anything on the peripheral that, or anything that we talked about that you all wanted to dig into or like have any kind of like last kind of statements? I think one thing I really wanted to add, my mind's still kind of spinning about this idea that, you know, people in the service industry didn't get a break right. in the last 14 months yep. or whatever. Mm -hmm. I, I think one thing I really want to kind of bring up and and ask is what, what are the lingering effects of that kind of trauma? Honestly, mm. um, what are we going to see from service industry people? Not today, not tomorrow, but maybe six months from now, a year yeah. from now, when it all just finally explodes, kind right. of that powder keg inside of just being, being in this too long, mm -hmm. you know, for, and taking on the collective societal anger, right. You know, it, it might be because you have to walk in and wear a mask. Um, but really yeah. what it's about is we're all pissed off yeah. that this is our reality. And, and the people in the, in the service industry have been on the front lines of that for 14 months. Right. And so thinking through, yeah, maybe it shows up as anxiety right now. Maybe it shows up as missing a shift or two or mm -hmm. having these unstable relationships. But yeah. when is that going to turn into something that looks a little, a, a little darker, more right. difficult to deal with? Right, right. And, and, and how we in the mental health industry can partner yes. with the service industry and, and how those higher up in the service mm -hmm. industry, those in, 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 you know, managerial leadership, ownership, what, what they're going to do to help support the mental health of, of frontline workers. Mm -hmm. And again, yes. how, how they can partner with us in the mental health industry to say, to recognize and validate, okay, this is what you've been through and this is what we can do to try to try to support and, and, and help you through it. And yeah. to, you know, I don't know whether it's facilitating. I don't know if it's EAP programs. You know, I don't know if it's amazing. facilitating. Yeah. If, uh -huh. if if it's us in the mental health industry also offering you know discounts and, and, and package deals. But what's an EAP program? Um, uh, employee assistance program. That's where a lot of corporations will give you like eight to ten right. counseling mm -hmm. sessions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. For mental so, health. Yep. Exactly. Some kind of benefit for that, or, or even you know how we handle mental health days, if you will. You know, sick mm -hmm. days are widely. You know, accepted. You can call in right. sick, but then you know, are you going to call in with a mental health day? You know, I'm going to call in because of anxiety day or depression. It, it, mm -hmm. it, people absolutely and utterly have the right. And in fact, um, more disability payments are paid by the federal government for uh, depression than anything else. Hmm. Um, that's the most right now disabling condition in the United States is, is depression. Um, what on earth? Yeah, World Health Organization has said, and this was before COVID, uh, said that um, mental health and in particular depression was the biggest um, medical thing going on in the United States. So having the ability to, you know, or, or at what point can people in the service industry have the ability to step away and not be, in really any industry too, and, and not be chastised or looked down upon because there is such a stigma with mental health of uh, exactly. calling in for a mental health day. 
you know, hmm. using sick days for that. And, and I think that you're so right. And the additional problem there too, is we don't have good solutions for that. Yeah. You, you miss a shift, you take a day, you make up an excuse for your manager and just say, I needed a day, but how does that help you in the long run? You do that with the flu. Yeah. Your body's going to recover. You do that with depression. Mm-hmm. Probably you're isolating and sitting in bed, you know, the whole day and not really seeking the help that you need. Exactly. Right. And so that's, I think it's sustaining in that way. Well, and do you want to tell your manager, I'm yeah. anxious or I'm angry and pissed off or I'm depressed or they're they yeah. going to start cutting your shifts and saying, mm-hmm. well, that just means you can't handle the stress. Mm-hmm. Well, 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 that's what it turns into, right? Because it's like, we got to keep the machine going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so there's not, and there's like, there's not a lot of, mer- the mich- I feel like the machine doesn't have a lot of mercy. You know what I mean? For oh, like, absolutely not. Mm-hmm. because it's like, Hey, it's like, yeah, who, who gives a rip if you're, you know what I mean? You're a yeah. little sad, like the, like, Get out there and you know what I mean? like right. you need you need to make it happen. Um, you, you mentioned like the long term effects of COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a uh, New York Times article, maybe or yeah, this is one of those New York bougie magazines had one on languishing. Yes, and and and, and like my wife and I read it, and I was like, "That's what I'm doing." Because because like I feel like I'm in this weird state of like I'm not depressed. Things are getting done, um, going pretty well. But I feel super aimless. Like I don't feel like I have any direction, mm. and I feel like I've kind of got it together. You know what I mean? Like exactly. And, mm-hmm. and, and it's just a weird, probably a little late in the podcast to to break down languishing. But, but and unless you want to, you want to dive into that at all? Or I mean, we can do it now. We can do it next week. I was just thinking that yeah, that definitely that article. I've had five clients at least bring that up. Like yeah. this is what I'm living with. Yeah. No. Yeah. 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 See, and, and, and this is, this is all theoretical orientation stuff, but the, the theory and thing I like to go into is, you know, living with intentionality, Mm, you know, are we living our values? You know, are, are we having the opportunity to, are we living congruent with our values or is there something out of whack? Do we feel like we can live genuinely and authentically? Yeah. And so, um, and that comes from a thing called acceptance and commitment therapy of, you know, like I said, living with intentionality, and I can go into it further. We can wait for another time, but I love that principle. And if, if someone's languishing, if someone is going through what you were describing, it's, yeah. um, well, let's sit down and look at your values. Let's look at some of these core values. And I'll even give folks a whole long list of values to sort through, and they so can rate them. So what would be them. some examples for values? Yeah. Oh, um, yeah, sure. And it can be just about anything, but like relationships. It okay. can be congruence. It can be empathy. It mm-hmm. can be being genuine. It could be um, what other people think. Yeah. You know, a classic value that we can't control. Yeah. It could be, um, you know, having fun, adventure, excitement. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're, this list has got, you know, dozens upon dozens of them. And yeah. it, you can go through and rank and you can then kind of see, well, are, am I living these values? Mm-hmm. Also, what happens a lot of times is not only are we not living certain values, but we're valuing things that we're told to value that we don't really deeply value, but we're, tr- yeah. we're busting our ass to value it. <laughs> yeah. But then that contradicts yeah. another value. Exactly. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. I, had, I had one, for instance, someone might say, I value wisdom, uh-huh. but then I don't really value flexibility. Uh, well, uh, th- that's kind of in contradiction in yeah. a lot of ways. Or, or uh, I really I, I value myself, but then I value what other people think really highly too. Well, that's a conflicting value Those right there. Conflicting values. And right? so, yeah, am, am, am I am I living on course with my values, or do I have some conflicts, or am I trying to give a damn about things that I just don't give a damn, or am I trying to give a damn about everything? That's another one too. And we yeah. can almost get like. Um, well, it can be paralyzing. Yeah, you know, we talk about anxiety. Exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm so paralyzed with my values and, and everything. I'm just paralyzed. 
And so I'm just going to kind of, right. I'm, I'm going to sit here and languish. I don't know what to do. Right. Maybe a reassessing of value. Mm-hmm. Like I love it. Yep. Might mm-hmm. be a good, like a, a good thing to like process through and like what that Absolutely. looks like and a reassessing of value. Get reassessing of values. And, and, and do I, you know, maybe there are some things that, you know, in readjusting values, mm-hmm. easier said than done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do I need to readjust some values? Because is this value of valuing what other people think about me? You know, having these conditions of worth, is that really serving me? Right. You know, because I could be the best damn human being in the world, but someone's going to hate on me. Yeah. And so how do I, how do I kind of maybe get out of some of these? Well, I love the subtle art, not giving an F Mark Manson. And he, okay. ca- he calls them shitty values. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and it's, it's a genius book. It's just, okay. So is that book, cause like oh, yeah. the, 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 that book kind of went through the hair industry with like all like the influencers. And so like, as I just assumed it was kind of pop pop psychology or you know like kind of goofy you know what i mean just like oh well, that's probably just like feel good about yourself and whatever you know and it, it, like not giving people actual tools but there's actual tools in that oh yeah book. okay yeah okay. And, and the name is deceiving it's not about learning how to not give an f it's about it's great marketing yeah it yeah. is you know, <laughs> yeah and that's yeah. the thing man he, he writes in a way that's probably gonna offend some people i thought it was yeah. genius and yeah, yeah. He, he writes in a way that i think is entertaining and helps helps folks remember help me remember mm-hmm. but it is it's a lot of acceptance and commitment therapy it's a lot of mindfulness right it's a lot of eastern philosophy which will a lot of that third wave cb is what we call it in our, in our okay. book. It's a lot about acceptance and mindfulness and values and living with intentionality. So it's it's a fantastic, fantastic book. Mm-hmm. And I recommend it to a lot of clients. Hmm. Um, yeah. But cool. um, so, yeah, I wouldn't say it's poppy. Okay. It's one of the it's okay. one of the few. And it's not a feel good about yourself because he, he talks about, you know, it's OK to feel it's okay to be average, by the way. In fact, totally. that, that's great. It's okay to feel like shit. <laughs> it's what you do with it. Man, it, like you said, it's okay to feel average. That's mm-hmm. almost like a radical call to being, mm-hmm. is to be like really average. Because like yeah. we, we all feel like we need to be this like, oh yeah, this like, like I, I know I feel these pressures of like, yeah, I need to be an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. I need to, you know what I mean? Do all these like psycho things that are like, uh, my wife's like, what? What are you doing? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And man, that, well, it, the, the perfectionism epi- epidemic is what I call it, is yeah. this epidemic of perfectionism and exceptionalism. And it's it's so interesting because we want to be a part of a group, right? Well, being mm-hmm. average, you're on the bell curve. You're part of the largest group, that, but right. oh, I don't want to be a part of that. You know, right. Average is bad, but it's like, no, that's what I tell people. It's okay to just be average and be good. Right. Because when you're perfectionistic or, or things like that, and I know I've experienced this, you don't celebrate the times. I've, when you're doing exceptional stuff, it's like, oh, no, that's just what I'm supposed to do. Like, no, celebrate it. Right. The price tag's really high. Yeah. Exceptionalism. Absolutely. <laughs> and so that's why when you're good. I'm when just getting you're rocked right yeah. now because it's like cause I'm, I'm like processing through Capital City as like because like I don't celebrate stuff. Yeah. Like that's totally me. Like I, I, I and we, when we opened, we were busy. We've been profitable since day one. It's a successful business. But I've never like thought to myself, man, good job. You're yeah. doing it. I bet you're great at, at taking the blame. I bet you're great <laughs> yeah, yes, at, yes. at owning that. Yeah. But it's like, are, yeah. how good are you at taking the credit too? Because right. I bet you do some amazing stuff. And, and it's not, it's, it's all of us. We all do yeah, amazing yeah, just me. Yeah, stuff yeah. Yeah. during the day and we don't take credit for it. Yeah. But we'll take the blame, you know, first and foremost. And I'm when, in service industry, right? Exactly. <laughs> and I'm sure yeah. in the service industry yeah. too, when you do exceptional services, for, oh, well, that's what you're supposed to do. That's what you're supposed to do. You know, you yeah. wore extra pieces of flair today. That's what you're supposed to do to go right. back to one of my favorite movies, yeah, Office Space. Absolutely. Well, absolutely. Like, no, that's, it's a, and I love the point that movie was making. It's okay to be average and yeah. celebrate the time. That way you can celebrate the amazing, exceptional things that you do on a daily basis and not take yourself for granted. Yeah. 
that goes back to that Pixar soul. Like, like that, that was a lot of the main, he was like living in this, like he wanted to be, yeah, y- y- y'all should, y'all should watch it. Like oh, I'm not going to sit here and explain it, but it, yeah. it's similar. It's like inside out 2.0. So if you were into inside out, then you'll, there's lots of fun little stuff to unpack in within that movie. That's very, very relatable. So homework before the next. Exactly. Absolutely. Homework. So cool. <laughs> 